0: Welcome to Behind the Movement. I am Kyle Fincham. Thank you so much for downloading or streaming or doing whatever you're doing to listen to the podcast. I have a a really fantastic conversation to share with you today that I had with Matan Lefkovich. Before I get to it, as always, just a few announcements. All of these announcements are about Infinite Play. The first one is thank you, To everybody who came out last weekend for Infinite Play in Brooklyn, it was amazing to be home in Brooklyn. It was amazing to see new faces and old faces and share some stories and catch up with everybody. It was amazing uh, that we got rain and mud and we got to play in it and roll in it and be fed all this unique and different information that we get by being... On different kind of surfaces, right? Different kind of environments, right? I think it's tempting to always be on flat surfaces and in dry environments with the sun out. You know, we're always kind of leaning into this defined perfection. But it was amazing to be served up this this different scenario because there's a whole bunch of information that we we get to learn and absorb by uh having to new adapt and, and tinker for these situations. So I loved it and I thought it was amazing to uh get out there and play in the mud a little bit. So hopefully some more of these infinite play events will uh throw us some beautiful uh weather curve balls because I I love them. Um With that said, we're doing more Infinite Play while we're out here on the East Coast. The first one is this Saturday, April 17th. It's a free event being put on uh, by Save More Drugs, which is a local pharmacy in Westchester in a town called Croton-on-Hudson. And Save More Drugs has been playing a really integral role in that community with all things COVID-related. So this is a... um, This event is their way of kind of giving a gift to the community. And yeah, I'm really excited to be a part of it. It's a two-hour event starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday. If you want to participate, everyone's welcome. Send an email to savemoredrugs at gmail.com. There's just no E at the end of more. So it's S-A-V-E-M-O-R drugs at gmail.com. Shoot them an email. And uh, and you can sign up for that event. The following event will be on Sunday, the very next day. Um, that's going to be out in Long Island. Um, I'm partnering up with my friends out at Locomotion New York. You might remember I had Kevin Neglia, who is the owner of Locomotion, uh, on the podcast a few months back. And yeah, I'm. Th- it's going to be my first time uh, heading out there. Um, to, to, to be with them on their turf. Um, so it's going to be really fun. It's also a two hour event starts at 10 AM. If you want to sign up, you can go to locomotionnewyork.com or you can do it through the movementbrooklyn.com uh, website. Um, yeah. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, I don't know. Depends how far you'd like to drive. <laughs> if you're, if you're close enough, it would be great to see you there. Um, the one we'll do after that is in Seattle. That's on May 9th, um, also at 10 a.m., also a two-hour event. Uh, I'm excited. I've never been to Seattle before, so I'm really looking forward to it. I've got some friends out there, so it'll be fun to see, see some familiar faces, but I'm really excited to see uh, a whole bunch of people I don't know. So yeah, May 9th, 10 a.m., in Seattle. All the information for that one is uh, on movementbrooklyn.com. Under the events page, and then after that, uh, I have a vision that came to me today of uh, maybe doing an infinite play event in San Francisco. Not long after that, it's just a vision. It's the first time I'm saying it out loud right now, but um, I don't know. Maybe you live in the Bay Area and it's something you'd be interested in. Then um, shoot me a message and let me know. Maybe it'll uh, maybe it'll inspire. Uh, inspire me to take the next steps to to make it happen in real life. So yeah, perhaps San Francisco, Bay Area, uh, Bay Area area, (laughs) sometime in May, maybe, we'll see. All right, let's get to the podcast. Um, As I said, this was a really great conversation um, with Matan. Our mutual friend, Marlo Fiskin, who I had on the podcast a while back sent me a message a few weeks ago and she was like hey I think you should you should talk to Matan I think you guys would have a lot to to chat about so uh you know I take her recommendations very seriously so I quickly wrote Matan a message he responded even faster and uh we made it happen and and it was really fantastic I I I I look back on it fondly and I I I reference it in a lot of other conversations or some of the things that we talked about in in other conversations recently. So yeah, it was really fantastic. And um, yeah, not only was it great, not only did it leave me reflecting and chatting, but I uh, I got done and I felt like I made a friend. So that's always a, a really good sign as well. If you don't know who Matan is, let me give you a little bit of a background before we roll into this. Um... Baton is a dancer, he's a teacher, and a graphic designer. In 2015, he founded Movement Lab, which is a vehicle for movement education, choreographic work, and discursive inquiry. His practice is influenced by his enthusiasm for physical and theoretical research and is revolving around the question of how to develop a meaningful relationship with the body and mind. In the last decade, He's devoted himself to educate people from all over the globe about better movement and reflect upon urgent social phenomena through the medium of performance and recently also through his podcast, Material for the Brain. His passion for research and discovery drives him daily to expand his understanding and to further develop himself as a human being. Um, For more information, you can go to movementlab.eu or you can go to matanlevkovich.com. Let's not waste any time. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. Um, Here it is, my conversation with my new friend, Matan Lefkovich. And you're you're in Vienna?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I've been here. I've been in Austria in the last 11 years. And, And yeah, I've been living in Vienna for eight years. After I graduated from my dance education, I moved here with my wife and now we have
0: also our two kids nice and they're in bed right now
1: yeah lucky luckily
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's like they always go to bed at the right time and then you have something to do in an evening and then that's the one night right where once in a while they're like oh well no we want to stay up a little bit
1: yeah i mean i mean we we are quite punctual with them when it comes to bedtime because it's really i mean many actually they go to sleep pretty early they go to sleep at seven and many friends of ours they're like how do you do it how can you i mean and that's maybe a a a a huge topic about kids and boundaries for our generation of parents it's a difficult topic but yeah (laughs) we are pretty punctual and actually it makes life much more um, pleasurable because they don't go into their you know hyper state where they're like extremely emotional and sensitive and overloaded with from reality and we don't go to the place that we become angry parents and we also have time for our space for ourselves, and i can do things like that and mm-hmm. m- many of the uh, of the episode that i record i recorded in those times so mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah i know i know it can be like a um like a polarizing topic as you said with like parents of this generation this idea of like having these kind of like these boundaries set up
1: yeah i mean yeah i i mean i've been thinking a lot about this topic due to being a father a father but also generally in many in in, i mean i'm i've recently done a personality trait uh, test and and i i scored quite high on orderliness (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: oh that's so, very yeah. funny
1: yeah so um uh, and yeah and within we've, we've yeah so so i i, I got it quite high uh, which is not surprising because i i know that like i have certain attraction to chaos when it comes to like i i've been working and uh, as a choreographer and as a dance teacher movement teacher for several years and of course you know creativity is very is really associated with lack of order and that's pretty important part of my life but when it comes to my but i need a lot of order in order to to feel comfortable to go into chaos mm. so yeah so for, for example now we are speaking from a room in, within my apartment that we decided that we will really make it into my little office so then i don't need to worry that the house is organized because i have my little island
0: <laughs> right
1: here here i'm the dictator <laughs> what right. is allowed right you have the your, rest
0: right. you, you have your space of order
1: exactly because i used to you know especially i mean you you mentioned corona uh when the when the corner when COVID started and everybody had to adjust to the idea of doing everything from home so i i used to work from home but not with the family and my wife always next to me so suddenly i had to deal with the fact that the house is always there's always something happening and that didn't work for a long time for me Mm -hmm. i I needed my space and
0: it's interesting to have that awareness because i so when we moved in with uh my in-laws and I really, it, you know, some people kind of roll their eyes like, oh, you know, the in-laws, but I, I really like my wife's parents and I have a really good time with them, but I didn't have a space in their house. And it's the house that my wife grew up in and her brother grew up in, so they have their spaces. And when we first got there, I sat down and just put my computer on a chair in the dining room. And I sat at that chair as if it was my office for like two months. <laughs> <laughs> and I... <laughs> and i thought i was like oh like i'm fine i feel okay about this and then suddenly there was this, these moments where i start feeling little agitations because people are walking by me and like saying things or whatever and i'm like god ah, like, I'm, I'm i'm doing my thing but at the end of the day i'm like i'm sitting in their dining room yeah you know <laughs> so eventually like my my wife is like oh like we we're going to clear out the guest room and you'll have your own space and it changed everything but it, i didn't even realize how much that mattered in the moment i didn't have enough of that kind of experience of dealing with a few more people in a, in a more dynamic home in that way to have that kind of reflection.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm also, I'm learning a lot about myself in, in situation of, in, in, in this specific situation. Also we travel, uh, often, I mean, before COVID we used to travel quite often to Israel and then we would always stay at my wife's parents as well. And, and I've discovered I'm pretty sensitive to yeah, to, to have my privacy and my own space. And it's interesting because when it comes to what I do for a living, I'm very fine mixing with a lot of strangers and doing a lot of weird things. Yet, you know, like you place me in my wife's per- in my wife's parents for one month and, and then I discovered that somebody folded my laundry. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, that's my laundry, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to do that for me, so. <laughs> So it's those little contradictions that we that all of us probably have to some extent, no?
0: Yeah. Well, do you feel like you know? You said you tested so high on like orderliness. Are you? Do you feel like in chaos, you're somebody who can start to kind of like see order within it?
1: Hmm.
0: I mean, I mean, I mean, it depends.
1: I guess it depends. How do we define chaos and to what extent? Because I think that also chaos could be, you know, like. I think i think there is a certain spectrum now of of chaos so for example you know if i if i look at things that i do with my body like i i really enjoy doing contact improvisation it's one of the first things i've been diving into and I also and i also really enjoy doing brazilian jiu-jitsu and so brazilian jiu-jitsu let's say there is a little bit more chaos and unpredictability because of the because it's a competitive activity but there is much more rules to it so 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 i think that the more you increase chaos the like there is a certain need also to structure it in some way you know like there's a i i, I guess that i feel very comfortable doing jiu-jitsu but if 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 i would find myself in like in a street altercation where there's no rules i'm not sure if i would be feel that pleasurable in in that type of chaos even though I have maybe the physical skill to actually deal with it but like on the emotional level to really open up into the spectrum of of like complete chaos that you really don't know what is happening and yeah I don't know I also you know I, i've I've grew up in Israel so I've been in the army in Israel and I found myself in situations that are that are quite chaotic and then the thing that makes you go through in a way that that you don't need to lose your mind is the fact that there is certain structure like i've heard once i think it, i don't remember maybe it was my dad who told me this story but that he was when he was a soldier in israel he he had to fight in in actual wars me thank god i was not in that generation i was more involved in kind of political wars than really actual kinetic wars and and uh, so he, he told me that there was one commander that would during the the war would go and make sure that everybody is shaving themselves. And you feel like, who cares, like, that's war, like, why do you care about something so non-important, but, you know, but that structure made them feel as if everything is okay. Like find
0: moments of order where you could put it in or moments of like control.
1: Yeah. As if, I mean, you know, I, I guess everybody who f- who had to go through something so extreme as war which is literally total chaos i mean that's at least how my dad described it like nobody knows what is happening even in the even if you try to look at the event from the birds eyes perspective you don't know what really what is really happening so within that in order to maintain the ability of the people to to operate so then you inject this kind of or maybe even on the level of ceremony ceremonial activities that keeps things that gives the impression as if everything is okay <laughs> right
0: right that that yeah, like yeah, almost yeah. like that like illusion that we're in a little bit more control than we actually are right yeah, you can almost be you can almost become overwhelmed with the complexity and the randomness and the and the disorder
1: yeah i guess that's uh i guess that's kind of you know i i don't know maybe if we even think about it on a day on like more like more day to day things like we are constantly in 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 some form of change like there is no real order but we do it in order to yeah to coexist yeah because i don't know i mean now definitely i guess something that many people within for sure my field but i guess generally in many different fields there is corona, corona really exposes how resilient are you to anxiety because like your reality just can poof you know like Um, at least that's how I experienced many things that I I, I was doing and I was engaging in suddenly they completely evaporated and then you have to deal with anxiety because like okay so what now what do I do so yeah and I think that's really hard to deal with it on the long term if you're overly exposed to anxiety it's really hard to be happy (laughs) and and yeah I guess you know, I was just thinking about it before we. You know, I went now to, to the to the toilet before we started the conversation, and then I was thinking about it, about this kind of tension. I mean, w- with the topic of freedom, like, how. If we are actually, like, what what is freedom, and and I have two exam two kind of opposite examples for situation where I feel very free. So one is like in my work as a freelancer, I I feel very free. I can schedule what i want to do i can decide if certain projects are fitting what i want so i feel like like the ability to choose makes me experience quite a lot of freedom but of course then there is the kind of the 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 anxiety that comes with the unknown like you don't know what's going to happen you don't know if you're going to get a project and then you feel like oh this freedom actually is just like a like a a, a torture (laughs) sometimes (laughs) but yeah and the other extreme example is when i was a soldier i didn't need to decide anything about my life you know i would have schedule from the moment i open my eyes until i go to sleep what do i need to do where you know and i had i just had complete freedom from earthly decisions i had so much freedom to think to wonder to look to observe to 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 be in a to, to have an interceptive experience and not all the time worry about you know like what to do what to do what to do so so yeah it's uh it's yeah it's it's complicated topics i think because they are like you know there's like it's not there's no right and wrong and it's it's it also keeps on changing i don't think you know when i was a teenager i kept rebelling with my mother about how she insisted me to you know keep my room tight you know, she taught me how to fold my underwears and I was always angry, like, why should I fold my clothes? Why can't I just throw them in? Now I fold my underwear like my mother taught me. It's like, <laughs> I, sometimes my wife, that's a funny, funny thing. Sometimes my wife, she folds my my T-shirt and I don't like the way she folds it because I have a different style of folding. <laughs> so I, uh, I unfold what she did and I refold it in the way I like. And she's always like, oh, you're mad. It's like... <laughs> That is so
0: funny! Oh my gosh, I love it. I love I, I love this fascinating like uh, I don't know like <clears throat> I don't want to call it like a dual nature because they clearly complement each other. But as you kind of said that like this kind of extreme orderliness balanced out with like extreme chaos in in you know because you revealed that you also do jujitsu as well and I do jujitsu and yeah I mean to me like in of all the m- kind of movement play and research that I I do it's up there in the upper echelon of like chaos because it's not just chaotic but it's also someone is like as you said kind of they're trying to they're trying to choke you at the same time you know um so it's a very funny thing to to to, to hear this kind of wonderful mm. balance between the two you have this like dance happening between like order and disorder in like a beautiful way
1: yeah and because i think that you know like if you start breaking these down so so I think that, you know, like there is certain Yeah, th- there is the chaos on the level of um decision making. You know, you're confronted with a partner and you cannot control them. But that's not so different in contact improvisation. When you're dancing with somebody, you don't you 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 don't know what they're gonna do. So so I would say that in that regard, it's not so different the fact that we are collaborating or that we are competing against each other. We are still dealing with the fact that there is a person that we don't control and it represents some form of chaos but again jiu-jitsu is highly structured you no know, like to the level that you you almost can name every moment you no know, it's like ah yeah now within the chaos i'm in a reverse de la, de la riva and i have a collar grip and i'm attempting this or that sweep whatever you know it's like it's so codified so in comparison to contact, there's not so much moment that you can say, ah, I'm now in that scenario within the chaos. So, Mm -hmm. and yeah, and I feel that, for example, if I compare it to another situation where like choreographing a dance piece, going into creative process that you know that you're, you have a goal, you have, I don't know, I was commissioned to to choreograph for um, the University of Dance here in Vienna. Uh, performance for group of nine students so i have five weeks i know that at the end they need to go to, st- to stage do something that's gonna be around 20 minutes and i want them to feel happy about it and <laughs> you know i don't want them to hate me at the end <laughs> <laughs> and and you so you go and you don't know like okay so you have an idea Okay, we want to do that, but you know from the idea to actually make it happen, it's like a long it's like a you need to spend a lot of time asking yourself or accepting that you don't know what you're doing <laughs> and yeah and and I feel that for me this represents much more a much bigger challenge than or even though I'm the one who is deciding everything because in the studio to some extent of course I, i'm I'm paying attention to my to to the people i'm working with but when i'm choreographing i i allow myself to to have quite rigid hierarchy when it comes to decision making at the end i need to write my name on the piece so i want to i want to be happy with what i'm doing of course part of it is communicating with the people to make sure that they feel safe and that they are that they are engaged but i take the decision so i, I, I to some extent i have total control of, on what will happen but i'm existing in a situation that I don't know what I'm doing. I need to discover it. Mm-hmm. In comparison to Jiu Jitsu, that is like, I go to a class and then the, the coach tell me, okay, you're gonna roll with uh, this big dude there. And like, and okay, now I need to kind of deal with a reality that I didn't deliberately choose every detail of it, but I feel much more safe because I know what's gonna happen. So I don't know, it's uh, it's it's different. I guess if I would have, maybe if I would have years of experience in choreographing, I could do, I could do it. Like Jiu-Jitsu, that I just come, choreograph, go home. But I think that if you really wanna tap into creative spirit and not just produce something that you already know, you have to go into this place that you yeah, that you really don't know what you're doing, that you're vulnerable. And it's a bit contradictory because most of the time you're in some kind of a leadership position and people expect you to know, you know. Mm -hmm. When I was a dance student, the thing that I hated the most is to work with a choreographer that doesn't know at all what he's doing. And he comes to the to the studio and we just have a feeling like okay what the hell we are doing here so that was a quite of a challenge as a dance student and but now i can say okay i understand them it's like if you wanna if you wanna really do something original how can you have any originality if you know what you're doing no
0: right i mean it's like so many people think that they're kind of from my experience always trying to develop certainty or develop control, as opposed to what I feel like might be a a more interesting approach is kind of developing preparation to not be in control and kind of like the welcoming of that feeling. And it, it makes me think a little bit what you're talking about. I had this conversation for the podcast with this author named Steven Jenkinson and we, the topic of freedom came up and, and he kind of challenged the idea and, and said that, you know, we're limited in our freedom because there is actually a degree of obedience that we have to have. Right. Like as free as like all the animals are out there, there's, they are obedient to certain things, you know, to like when the sun goes down to the things that they're predators and prey to. And I don't know, kind of hearing you kind of speculate on these ideas reminds me of that conversation a little bit. So even just like you showing up to choreograph something like, you can't show up totally prepared to be in control because you have to almost be obedient to what that environment looks like when you get there, who are the people, What what is happening in that space. Um, so yeah, I, I like the idea of obedience, even though I think that word challenges people a lot because mm. like the, we, we, people don't wanna be obedient, but like to really collaborate well with people and spaces and environments in the world, I, I think it requires mm. obedience.
1: Yeah, maybe it's a loaded word because i don't know when i hear the word obedience so first i have to acknowledge that you know as a english is not my mother tongue, so sometimes i'm getting lost in translation even and, and i get other association that maybe uh english speaker wouldn't have but for me the association is immediately you know i, can, I imagine some kind of a authoritarian regime and i have to be obedient to that or like a very harsh officer that I have really zero choice and I have to be obedient to something I don't like to do. And and yeah, but definitely, you know, that's that's there is definitely a big illusion in this in this, let's say the kind of insistent on freedom that is very common within I would say like people who grew up in the west. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, to, I mean, I think that the the biggest absurdity is that at a certain point maybe we already feel entitled to things. No, like, like I'm entitled for my freedom of whatever. And and I I don't think that life is about that. It's great that some aspects of life are, you know, it's nice to come to the ice cream shop and to say I want vanilla and I don't want cookies, whatever. You know, <laughs> it's nice to have choice. But uh, yeah, I don't know what I feel with my kids and maybe that's something that m- maybe a little bit was, le- I don't know if lacking, but uh, I, I, it's something definitely that I was missing a little bit is that is the connection between freedom and responsibility. Like, okay, if 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 you want to, to have the freedom to take choices, you also need to take responsibility on what happens afterwards with your choices and and nobody, and the word responsibility, who wants to be like, it's not attractive. Like yeah, I want to be responsible for a lot of things. Like who wants to have, to have responsibility for things? It's like we want to forward our problems to somebody else. Yeah, it's not attractive, I guess. Like, and maybe that's why also. I don't know. Do 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 you have kids?
0: No, I don't have kids. No. Yeah,
1: like I, my wife and I, we got married relatively. Like I would say, on the younger side of our in our generation, like we got—I was twenty-seven when we got married. I think it's a li- it's a little bit younger to our generation. Most people delay it or they never get married. And and yeah, my daughter was born when I was thirty-one. And 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 at least here where I live in Austria, it's not so common to have a like some people take the choice not to have kids at all, and and also it's very rare to see more than two kids family and and i had conversation with some friends who really kind of questioned the whole idea of bringing kids as if like so what would i get from it ah no it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna inhibit my life from doing what i really want like and i also have these thoughts it's not that i'm saying like i've never had these thoughts of course we are like so much pumped with the idea that we have to fulfill some kind of an individual self but I, but I must say, like you know, I've never grew up as a person as I grew up with having so much responsibility. So yeah, so it's like it's a little bit contradictory because when I was in my twenties, I, I I carried the torch of like go and fulfill your dreams. You know, I I quit a stable job in the in the tech industry and went to dance. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, kind of like. Fuck the, the 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 path that I'm being told I'm gonna do what I want and I'm gonna discover myself, blah 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 blah. Then uh, yeah, ten ten years later down that path I realized, wow, actually there is so much to learn just by doing the everyday thing that everybody's doing. Like the the I like I've been pumping pumping the idea of you know, like the being of being special to some extent, I would say. And yeah, now I feel like yeah, there like being responsible for kids which is which of course maybe it's one of the biggest responsibility you can take because there's somebody who's really dependent on you yeah i grew up so much from that much more than you know like trying to figure out how my movement practice shapes me as a person yeah well, <laughs> I, was thi- I, I,
0: mm. I was i was I was thinking about this idea that like i don't know as you said it because before i did movement i did stand up comedy for like almost 10 years and maybe it's just a thing that exists in the arts, but I think it's also a thing that, I don't know, it it almost exists in like what anyone does and especially maybe when they don't have kids, but I don't know. But they, it, in movement for sure, there's almost this feeling like this is the holiest thing that can possibly happen, right? Like this is like, it, it's almost that like really elite thing. Like this is the top of the mountain. If you're not on this mountain, mm-hmm. you don't know anything. Um, and these kind of humbling experiences of like, I don't know as you're talking about having children and being like being like kind of brought back in and being like oh hmm. well that thing is also very cool but like this is this is what responsibility looks like
1: and why do you think that it well, i mean it's your podcast but i also want to ask a question mm-hmm. <laughs> why do you think that uh, there is this uh, holiness or why do you think that let's say if there is such thing as the movement community which i'm personally a little bit doubtful about that idea but why do you think that that or where do you get the notion of this kind of holiness that you've mentioned around movement is like hmm, I do, think that, do you hear people talking about like this or, or do, you, do you do you experience it yourself or i
0: think i've experienced it myself where i've been on my own pedestal at previous times in my life thinking like oh like hey you're really cool and really nice but like i'm on like the road to like ultimate discovery so like mm. you should hop on or you're gonna like miss out and then i think I, it's something that i've like witnessed and like crossing paths with people especially as i kind of like distance mm. myself from that idea a little bit and and kind of accept that like oh like everything is amazing and i think there's whatever space for enlightenment or nirvana and any of the things you know there's yeah. like there's not one holy mountain but it's um it's definitely something that I feel like I observe, but on, on a personal level as well as like a you know, an observation in, in other in other places as well.
1: You know, because I also I also get this feeling and when I chose to to go for my for my dance adventure and I think that when I when I did it, I think that like the first time I heard the term mover was was in Israel, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago i think it was be and and the person who described the who used the term mover and it he, he used it in hebrew so it was a little it was not yet i don't think that this term mo- movement was yet let's say it like this the edo portal phenomena didn't explode yet so it wasn't that popularized and he used the term movement more to describe somebody who was just generally talented in understanding movement but he was also a dancer this friend and and then I, when I chose to to go for for the dance life, so I I remember how much I I exactly felt what you're what you're describing. Like wow, this is much more unique than just going to university and studying something in order to earn money. I I I looked down at people who took that path, as if what I'm doing is superior. As, exactly. And but at the same time my wife she has a she had a very conventional job she studied dentistry and she came she came from a family of doctors uh where it's not that she has been forced to study to study anything around medical but you know like when your grandfather is a de- is a is a doctor and your father is a doctor there is some feeling of like yeah maybe I should also become a doctor because also it's like a respected job and it's probably can also be very interesting. And what I feel that I was always lucky is that I always got this really painful mirrors from my wife reflection about like, hey, like what, who are you? Who do you think you are pumping yourself as if you're like the most important person on the planet because you're like teaching people how to move. So, So I got this kind of harsh reflection. So I think she helped me not to overbuild the ego around the notion of, yeah, that my life choices are making me superior, because at the end it was—I would say that there was a lot of coincidence. It's not that I was guiding it, you know, from the day I was born. I was guiding myself to get there. No, I, there was a ton of coincidence and that brought me there. And also, and also at the end of the day, I don't think that there is anything superior about that. I mean, you can discover like. If you work with your body, you can accelerate many things that might that you might not be able to accelerate if you don't work at all with the body. Because I worked in computer, like in com- in in the tech industry, I know I know what it means to sit the whole day in front of a computer. And there is certain things that you are missing when you're disconnected from your body, for sure. But the, I I I would say that there is no I would never argue that doing movement will make you become a better person there's tons of assholes everywhere i don't know it's very easy it's very difficult to be a very good person (laughs) Mm -hmm. especially if your focus is to develop yourself as a movement as a a movement practitioner you're obsessed with developing yourself Mm -hmm. and especially like i think that that's something that like to some extent, I'm very grateful that the Edo Portal phenomena took place because I think it enabled people like me who study in initially dance suddenly to teach in some CrossFit gyms and all this kind of mixture. But one thing that I think that I, me, I would never portray this message as, a, as, as, as kind of a leader of a community is that obsession is something positive for for humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that like... Self, especially when the obsession is about something that is so that it's your body. It's like it's not so. Se- you, it's so hard to separate it to separate yourself from your body. You know, like and you
0: beca- become so attached to
1: it, and
0: yeah, I feel that- like it becomes like a very. It, it's very like individual, you know. It's very self-centered, like little s self-centered, mm. and and this is what I felt and maybe it resonates with other people, but that, you know, again, kind of bringing back um, this conversation I had with the, the same author, he, he kind of challenged that idea of individualism as well. And, you know, said that in some ways that that might be one of the problems that leads to a lot of the other problems that we see is that it's everything is very about the individual. So even in art, almost saying like, well, individual creative expression is is a thing but it's it's individual what did, what hmm. do things look like if we approach things more as uh as a citizen hmm. right and i don't know I, I i i thought about that quite a bit and, and and found myself looking at like the way i was existing in movement or existing as an artist and being like oh there's a lot of me talking about me and how i want to feel better or i want to do this better hmm. and and it's all kind of like the arrows keep pointing back in this direction instead of like, well, what does it look like if I turn some arrows and point them out the other way? Maybe it makes what I do the same. And sometimes it may actually make me make a U-turn. Yeah. It's a,
1: it's a complicated thing. And yeah, I mean, you, that's something that I recently kind of synced into that. Maybe the real power of the notion of individualism is the recognition that you're, that, that, yeah, you, that you're really not like anybody else. So then there is no need to compare yourself. And that's a powerful thing, because if you don't need to compare yourself, you're free from this exhausting self-judgment that that is not productive, because why should you perform like anybody else? But if the notion of individualism pulls you into the realm of, I'm so special, then I think that, you know, it's not gonna be nice to be next to you for many years. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, and it's a, it's a negotiation because I think yeah, I I totally understand also culturally. I think that you know, I I it's a. Uh, we are at the edge that. You know we like I would say that now there is a certain the conflict between modernism and postmodernism has never been, that heated I would say. And you see it everywhere now culturally and 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 definitely the 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 desire of let's say postmodernist thinking to this to kind of deconstruct individualism yeah it it's there but i think that it's i wouldn't rush to 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 completely disregard individualism as something that is not necessary in our society but we need to refine it i think because because again, nobody exists. You don't exist individually, of course. Like you are a member of of your own household, and your community, your neighborhood, your city, your country, whatever. Many identities. Like, of course, you. And and who who can survive alone? No. But uh, but it's also important to 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 maintain some connection to individuality. Because if you stop judging, if you stop judging people according to their individual circumstances, in circumstances, yeah, then then you're going into a very dark path, in my opinion. So it's it's complicated. I mean, the more I grow up, the more I feel like yeah, I'm not that special. I'm just doing what everybody is doing, you know. Like okay, but when I was younger, I was very convinced that I'm very original, and you know, like <laughs> maybe it's just a natural thing. In your twenties, you're so you need to define yourself you need to discover what you want to do you know you need to kind of place yourself within society so you have to define yourself so you have to be busy with kind of who am i who am i what like what 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 is my identity and then you grow up and slowly it's like okay i kind of know more or less who what who am i and i can kind of start letting go of that and just think about other things i don't know but but still there is there is there is certain utility that i wouldn't throw away even though again if you push individualism all the way to the end of course you you can you can live in a very narcissistic egocentric society and that's not good and we see it you know like for sure like we, we we destroy we are destroying the planet in a very fast pace so and and yeah that's and that's a lot because of of the notion of individuality to say,
0: i think there is a connection there you you mentioned i'm i'm gonna i don't remember your exact words, but you mentioned kind of something challenging the idea of like the existence of a mu- a movement community and I, w- I want to backtrack a little bit because I'm curious mm. what what you meant by that and and you know where you're going with that idea.
1: Hmm, so maybe I'll explain a little bit what do I mean. So I I wouldn't challenge the idea that certain people have developed spaces where there is a feeling of community. Like one place, I've been in one place like this in the US, for example, it's called Athletic Playground. Maybe you know, in in the Bay Area. And there was a feeling of community. People came there, it was like kind of a place they enjoy being and they have people develop friendships. So yeah, you can say it's a community. But I think that, and maybe that's connected also to the the notion of individualism. I think that that's the the biggest hunger of our culture nowadays. At least that's how, what I read, I might be wrong of course, is is that we are, many people are, are asking the questions around the topic of belonging. No, would you agree
0: with that? I do agree. I'm actually reading this book right now and I always have to admit that like I read a ton, but there especially when I get into like science stuff, a lot of it goes over my head, but it's it mm. talks about scale and how things change with size and talking about the dynamics of cities and in, groups and in there digs into like the the notion and, and the importance of like social networks. Mm. Right. So like in his case, he's talking about designing cities in a city's scale how important social networking is because just from like a primal level, it's something that means a lot to us because it's how we've gotten to where we're at now. I I thought about, I thought about it a lot. It's, it's a fascinating thing to kind of like reflect on.
1: Yeah. So I think like I, you know, I just look at my own family. I have a brother in, in San Jose, a sister in London. I live in Vienna and my father and mother lives in Israel and I have a Two sisters also in Israel. Like we are scattered, and the connection is not, you know, like it's this kind of sad Zoom family, you know. And 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 I think that at least that's a that's a belief that is not that informal, but still I I believe that you know like that you cannot really replace you know real like existing in the in in real life like live in the same room in proximity, having the ability to touch each other, I think you cannot replace it. And I think it has value. And so I think that, so due to the fact that we are, that the family structure is less and less important and, and people are living in cities and people are very obsessed with developing themselves, And, and so we are lacking, like there is a crave for community. So then nowadays the term community means we have, we share the same interest so like the movement community is people who are interested in movement the contact community is people who are doing contact the jiu-jitsu community is people who are doing jiu-jitsu but i think we are trying to replace something that let's say historically was more related to um, blood no like your family your tribe that so it was so so the sense of belonging was to something that wasn't so much about hobbies but was more about survival so you would care you would care and people you would care for other people despite the differences and not because of the similarities and i think that's that's a major that's a major thing because if i care about you despite the fact that we are very different then you can then it's already we are already have a much stronger base because we know that we are not the same we don't we we have we could have disagreement we know that we don't see the world similarly but nevertheless we choose to take care of each other but if what makes me and you connected is just the fact that we have the same hobby what would happen when we discover that we see things very differently Mm -hmm. and it's not always standing you know like like the the challenge i mean i experienced it personally with certain people i had like you know in some colleagues here in Vienna that, you know, there is this, co- the con- I mean, in the contemporary dance scene, people don't say the word community because it's artists and artists, they always want to be individual. So <laughs> <laughs> even though politically we are fighting against individualism. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, people don't say the, the contact scene, the, the contemporary dance scene. They, they just say that uh, they don't call it community. They call it a scene, but nevertheless, it's people that I felt, yeah, we, we are, we have good friendship because we, we both do art, we do the same. And then when we had strong disagreement, I, I had many people that turned like that they turned the back to me because they we didn't agree on certain political things or whatever. And so that's where I challenged the notion. And the other aspect that I would challenge the notion is that is that I guess that if we talk about survival like okay if you if you really try to imagine what does it mean to live in a certain tribe that your that your day-to-day survival is dependent on other people and not not just dependent you, you yeah everybody needs everybody so there is no uh vertical hierarchy where where all the resources are going somewhere no like the to some extent no like it's not that all the hunter-gatherer are just gathering that one person will have a lot of food and the other will just eat crumbles it's not it wasn't working like that but if i'm for example in the, the my own community that i've built so here in vienna i had my classes and people would come and everybody would feel like there would be friendship developing but nevertheless it was all existing due to the fact that i was earning money of it and everybody was paying for that and again i don't think that it's anything immoral about setting your business and inviting people but I would still say I would still challenge the notion of community there because again, like at the end, I my interest there is mixed with you know with finance. So so yeah, I, I care about the people. I, I want them to to feel good and everything, but I'm I'm I also wanna take care of my own well being and earning enough money to feed my kids. And, and and it's not that we are all doing it together. So there is a certain hierarchy. And again, I'm I'm not trying to say that, you know, that every hierarchy is is bad. There's nothing wrong about setting up business, but I know that I would say that the reason why we are using the term community all the time, I would say that it's like because we are all aligned ourselves with let's say, you know, marketing strategies of neoliberal society. You know, it's, ju- it's like was, what?
0: Sorry, I was just about to say that it's like. I don't know. I, 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 I didn't know that that was the, where, what you were about to say, but in my mind, I was thinking how it's this hot button kind of term, this word community. And as you said, it's almost used as like a marketing term, but I don't know that everybody realizes that that's what they're doing because it's not, it's like they're, it's funny because people will say we're selling community, but it's like, if you're selling it, is it really a community? I don't know. Maybe that's the way I think of it.
1: Yeah, it's a tricky, you know, I did, I, ch- I, I was very ignorant to the world of marketing because I, w- I studied dance and in dance, like you're the, the last thing that you prepare is how to exist financially. <laughs> <laughs> and at a certain point after, I don't know how many years of uh, trying to, you know, to roll my teaching business, which in the standard of the dance world, I was, many people looked at me as if I'm a businessman because I, you know, I, I earn pretty good money relatively to the scene and i was i had quite stability but still i felt like that it's really really not organized properly so i went and i did a marketing course and and then and this was the the thing that was the most interesting so the the guy you know like i i didn't like the style and of i mean the person was just measuring success in the most capitalistic way so it's like okay if you have a, if you have a more profit, more success. That was the only measure. So I didn't really connect to the soul of what he was, like, like content of what he was trying to, to, to his message. But what, but I've learned a lot of inf- interesting information and the most interesting thing I've learned that he said that the number one pe- reason why people buy things is because other people are also buying it. And that the number one reason why people stay in a certain uh, um, market is because they 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 have a community around it. So so if you if let's say if you wanna if I'm offering uh, movement classes, but I uh, but I don't offer any social activity around it, and you only come to learn information, so I will attract people who are really interested in getting the information. But if I would also offer, I don't know, once a year to do a barbecue, whatever, you know. So so then people can start develop interpersonal relationship and that's much stronger than your teaching, actually. So they don't come anymore because of your teaching. They come because they have friends there. And that's what happened a little bit with my classes. Many people develop friendship. They really enjoy coming because they wanted to see the other people. I also feel the same with when I think about Jiu-Jitsu. I I don't think like I'm coming just because I want to learn more technique today. I come because I have a lot of friends there. I enjoy spending time with them. And, but as you said, there is something problematic because, yeah, because it's a, yeah, there is a tension there. It's some communities do, you know, like, you know, I, I have friends in the gym that I know if I need help in certain things in my life, they would come and help me. Even though you know I'm 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 foreigner I'm not I wasn't born here I don't speak Austrian I don't speak German uh, like a, like a like a local person I don't understand a lot of cultural nuances but nevertheless I've managed to cross those boundaries with people and to and to feel supported and and yeah people do there is some kind of a care that is that people do take care of one another to some extent but but it's not it's not the real thing. I think it's like a shade of the real thing. The real thing doesn't exist anymore.
0: We almost use kind of like the allure of the real thing. I don't mean you and I, I mean, I say we, mm. but I mean like the, the broader we uh, as that kind of marketing tool because even if we can't put words to it, it's like, we know that that like, that primal instinct for like so- social networking or, or just plain being with people is, is very alluring. Um, but it can become disheartening because some people do become invested as if it were that, that almost tribal community. Hmm. And then maybe that moment arises where they do feel like they need people in a way that's outside of like what's happening under that roof. And it's not there for them in that way. And that can be a really yet yeah, disheartening, hurtful, painful experience.
1: Yes, yeah, especially when there is a, I mean, especially, specifically, you know, like, like I would really differentiate the movement scene than, for example, the contact improvisation scene because the way it was found, uh, founded. So, for example, the contact improvisation scene, the people who kind of created the term contact improvisation, I don't know if you're familiar with that history or not,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but they deliberately didn't want to brand it and they didn't want to... they they didn't want to disseminate the content in a very structured way so basically it grew in an organic way where nobody was owning contact improvisation so then nowadays uh, 50 years later you have many people who perceive themselves as contact improvisation there is no hierarchy there is no some... so there are some people who are associated as the people who initiated the phenomena but but they are not being perceived as all knowing gods in comparison to the movement scene that it's very rigid hierarchy and 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 then it's I would say that it's less it's even less of a community because of that because there is much more clear um funneling of the of the of ideas attention and yeah. And to yeah, and and I would say like having kids really dropped my need to find belonging somewhere else, and that's for me it was a I would say the biggest gift. You know, because I grew I grew up with in a family structure that was not that stable. My parents got divorced when I was young. Nothing you know, nothing that extreme. I don't want to portray some kind of a <laughs> victim story. But, but but nevertheless, I didn't grow I didn't I didn't have a, a feeling of that family is there to protect you. And my wife comes from the exact opposite background, a very stable family that you know, like the, the opposite, that the family is a little bit too much sometimes. Everybody's caring too much, they wanna manage you a little bit. So so it's a good com uh, we, we are good complimentary to one another. But when when my kids were born I really kind of settled and I realized, ah wow, that's what the what, that's the thing that's the thing I was searching for. Yeah, like to to feel that I belong somewhere and that there is and and actually it wasn't about me finding it, it was just about me giving to somebody else. And then it, that was and it sounded a little bit, you know, like when I think about it, you know, I was that's where I feel like that the ego can sometimes go in, in between you and seeing the simple f- things in life, you know. It's just there for everyone. Everyone has family. If you if you and and I mean the type of conversation that I hear a lot and I was and I was also talking a lot is about you know people saying like ah oh, yeah I, I don't wanna go in the in the holidays to see my family, it's always annoying and uh, you know everybody's like Ah oh, my mother she keeps calling me I don't have any energy to talk to her. I don't know like it's not that uncommon to hear. But I think that's 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 the place where if you invest energy, you actually get get a different kind of reward from that because that's really a, your little community. Even if it's just you know you and a, and one sibling, it's not rep, it's not a tribe, but uh, that's where I'm trying to to channel my energy more and more now. So yeah, I mean that's a big change that happened because i was very you know if you if we would have have this conversation five years ago i would completely like i i I saw things very differently so maybe in five years you know (laughs) i will
0: abandon this idea as well maybe that's what i'll do with this maybe that's what i'll do with this podcast i'll like if it goes for like 10 years i'll just keep checking in on people every five years (laughs) it'll become like a (laughs) research experiment (laughs) that's a good plan when you mentioned though about Mm -hmm. your family and you said that I don't know, it was really beautiful the way you said, you know, people that are there with you in spite of, despite the differences, not because of the similarities. It made me think of, um, I don't know, the best friendships I've even had in my life, like the realest, real friendships. I made friends with this person when I first arrived in New York, we were both like 20 years old and we couldn't have been more different other than the fact that we both did stand up but we were so in every possible way, different. Like he was really mature. I was the furthest thing from maturity. You know, he was from Canada. I was from like living, had been living in California. He was reading and sophisticated. I was like, I don't know, watching pro wrestling or something (laughs) and and we couldn't have been more different. But, and and we butted heads quite a bit and we would argue quite a bit, but that was that feeling of like, it felt more like family in that way in some ways, like it was the differences that made us like bond much in a much stronger way, as opposed to like people who at face value were very similar or we had these very similar interests. You would like, I, you know, looking back on it, I would think like, Oh, like, why didn't we bond? Like we were so similar, but it didn't happen. And, and, and I think of it now and I'm like, Oh, it was those differences that kind of, despite of, despite of thing that you were saying that seemed to like really enrich it over and over and over. And even if it's just that it kept it very interesting. Mm, interesting.
1: You know, like the, the the other thing that I I'm thinking that it might relate also to personality because the other another thing that came in this personality test that I, <laughs> in the scale between agreeableness and non-agreeableness i was in the 1% of non-agreeableness so <laughs> if you compare me to 99 people i would i would be just more agreeable than one <laughs> so <laughs> so i definitely well, like i'm definitely learning through conflict i i really enjoy arguing it's something i really enjoy doing and my wife she's the opposite she's like extremely agreeable and i think that That's one of the hardest friction we have in our relationship that on every little thing I want to confront her and she sometimes just want to be. So I think like for me, that's definitely a strategy of developing friendships to to go into the places where we don't see eye to eye, have a friction and through the friction, you know, a little bit like this kind of... uh, cliche of martial heart no like you hit your bone and then by slow damaging it you become stronger so it's it's a little bit like that on an on an emotional level but i think that my wife she has a little bit opposite like for her one of the things that makes her feel connected to somebody is the ability to just be you know like just be in silence with somebody you know like just float in this space where you don't need to even converse and and you and you can just dive into this harmonious being together and when there is too much talking and too much digging and confronting, she feels overwhelmed. So maybe it's also a personality thing, but I, I can definitely identify with you that, me, that that's how I perceive friendship now, like with this kind of pointing out the differences and the thing that we don't agree with each other. I mean, now that I'm saying it, I, I think like, that maybe my wife is, comp- is very agreeable just just not towards the thing that she doesn't like about me <laughs> 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 so all the tiny bit of disagreeableness is directed towards me but that's I guess very natural you know we, which long term relationship is not about becoming picky about the uh, little unnecessary things <laughs> <laughs>
0: So then what, how do you kind of like balance that then? Or how do you navigate that relationship knowing, knowing this?
1: Hmm. Uh, I mean, I think it took me years to understand and accept that, that, that that's my personality, you know, like that, that it's not really necessary for everyone to, to be a lawyer and, you know, like dissect things into tiny bits and find what is right and you know cross the information like sometimes my wife tells me like look are we having conversation or an interrogation <laughs> 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 and yeah like definitely I, I i imagine that i can be extremely exhausting with that uh, because i also i i'm also pretty i'm paying a lot of attention to details Uh again like i think that's kind of how i understand life so so yeah we have tricks i mean i think like that's why i feel like that the dance world and being exposed to going to new experiences helped me also in my relationship so so i i would we would develop tools to deal with situations that are not comfortable that i could that i i could see how i borrow them from the let's say my experiences as a performer for example one trick it's, it's very hard to apply it in real time, but if you get into a, let's say, a heated conversation with your partner and it, you recognize that, okay, we are not gonna come to an agreement. So instead of keeping arguing for your position, you have to sing your position. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, it all becomes completely ridiculous and you can really kind of you know let go of the steam because if you're angry and you start sk- singing your anger, it's not gonna be so so real anymore. So that's one tool or, or I mean, that's another tool that we did several times, which comes a little bit, I think from debating culture actually, is like just kind of to switch the position, you know, like, so I think it's called steel manning. So I take your position and I start arguing your position and you have to argue mine, which is extremely difficult, but it's very rewarding because you have to really look at the things from the other the other person's perspective. I was so that in high- oh sorry go ahead no so I think these are a little ways of negotiating the the differences but I don't know because again like she has an attraction to it's funny because she has a, a um I mean now I feel like, I feel like I'm talking to you so I get to see how I'm also contradicting myself because i am attracted to order but I have to have some kind of an argument and friction also at the same time so the house has to be organized but I have to Argue about something with my wife, so, and she can be completely opposite. She's like, okay, it's okay if the house is a little bit chaotic and the things are not everywhere, but let's stop arguing all the time. So it's also like a certain measurement, like what do you need, and to what extent? Yeah. So, but I think it's inevitable, you know. Like it's inevitable that that you know that the, the part of part of being in relation to with people is to is to fight, to be offended, to get hurt, to you know, like, uh, I just think that it's part of life, so I'm not trying to resist it, I would say. And in that regard, I think that my wife is a little bit more idealistic. She, she, she I mean, she has maybe more expectation of what a relationship can be. Maybe, again, because she grew up in a house that the relationship, re- you know, presented something more ideal, and I grew up in a house that represented not the most ideal relation between two parents. So for me, it's like, if we're together it's already enough kind of and she's like no 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 hey if we want to be together we have to aim for the top <laughs> so so yeah it's different different personalities um goes to different places
0: i think in in some ways you're also like talking about the the topic we were on previously about community in some ways it's like the welcoming of discourse hmm right? I feel like that is some sort of pillar in like a, in a community. And when, when there's a bit of this hierarchy, there's not as much welcoming of that discourse either. Um, So hearing you talk about your kind of craving for that helps me, I don't know, see where you're coming from, but also understand where I'm coming from and also reflective of what I would like to see change is when we flatten things out a little bit, there's a welcoming of this, like different of ideas and, and mm. discourse, and a little bit of butting heads to like, I don't know, keep like this kind of flat wave moving and like changing and evolving.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's. I think that it's, you know, like uh, there is a certain, uh, there is something appealing. I think with the idea that everyone has a, that everyone could have a space, that everyone has a voice, that everyone has an. I think it's a very appealing idea. And I think it's very attra- it's also very attractive for people who are who 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 are less competitive in their nature. No, like to say like hey, you know. I mean, I I grew up in Israel where there was the whole kibbutz movement, which was about that. No, it's like little villages that everybody just work together, everybody's equal, everybody gets the same. But it's also an idea. I mean. I mean, I think that that's the the challenging thing about ideologies, no matter what kind of a a systematic ideology you're building, it will always, you would always have to adapt your shape into that thing. So it's true that it's very nice that everybody could express themselves, but first not everybody is interested in talking and not everybody has well-refined ideas, so you know, like the. If I would compare the person I was 10 years ago to today, I would definitely give more space for the person today. I'm much more refined. What I what I what I was teaching 10 years ago was a little bit of nonsense. So I would definitely marginalize my younger self in order to give more space for my older self that knows better. But maybe for somebody else, they were more inspired by the younger person who didn't talk so much and just moved, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know and inspired with their bodies. And now, you know, like, sometimes I go to dance schools to teach and I see that, you know, like I'm enjoying now more conversing and I'm like, okay, we moved a little bit, let's talk, let's hear what you think. And then I see the people like, come on, let's sweat. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so yeah, I don't know, but, um, yeah, for, for me personally, I, I feel that the, the, what the process of... Um, I'm still, you know, I, I don't... Want, even though I I criticize a lot of things within the world of dance and within the world of movement, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm... I have a lot of gratitude for everything I went through. And I'm very happy that I took the choice of, you know, investi- investing in studying my body. And I think it is a gift. And from the little things and also you know like it really affects how I, I don't know how can i in which way i can play with my kids how i'm how i feel on you know like when i'm i don't know when i converse with you right now i feel i'm also connected to my breath you yeah. know i can recognize things that are happening to me so i'm I'm very grateful for that but at the same time i don't want to ideali- uh, uh to to make an ideal of it there is great things that you can learn from it. And there's many things that you might miss if you focus too much on that. And I know we've mentioned community, that is one thing. And one thing that definitely I can say that I feel like I really miss in my life is con- is stronger connection to nature. And definitely the dancing world is really, you know, it's culture. You know, you work all day in studios, you perform in theater, in black boxes, like you're, you're all the time, disconnected from from nature you're dealing with people all the time and and yet yeah, so definitely if i compare my father is a farmer you know so he's all the time outdoor working with he has a olive orchards and he he makes olive oil and you know he's all doing all his life he's like so that's something that is very present and me i miss it and so yeah so in in, in my choices i i, got, I think I mean, these are three ingredients that I think that I, I, that I think are, I would even dare to say that they are universal needs in certain measurement, but some connection to the body is necessary. You know, some people needs to be very obsessive and you know, some, but some connection, because if you have zero connection, you suffer from it. That's obvious. You, you just don't know what is going on with you when problems arises. So some connection to the body, some connection to the environment, and some connection to people communities so these three things and everybody needs to balance them differently and where i see that where where i where i've seen that it works that 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 it's really like a a, an, a strong need is like when when you go to some kind of a. in 2016 i helped to facilitate an event called the play fight camp that was uh initiated by bruno caverna and and the event really Pushed these three topics during the ten days very high. So we we the event was in a, in Tuscany, in a very beautiful farm with an outdoor studio. So like the dance space, the place you moved was you know you could watch the the, the hills very. You were really absorbed in the nature and the beautiful hills of Tuscany. You were surrounded by people, so you constantly felt like you ne- you were never alone. You always you were around with people. So like the the, the community aspect was also very strong and you were only dealing with your body you you study movement so like these three things were on you know the maximum you can get in 10 days and everybody came out of this event like you know intoxicated mm-hmm. happy feeling connected and for sure it has to do also with the teaching that was happening i'm not saying i don't want to say that if we would if if it would be uh, maybe if it would have been like i don't know a Zumba seminar, maybe it would be different. I, I'm just throwing the name Zumba because for me it's something that seems a little bit superficial, but maybe I'm also wrong. But I think beyond what the content that we were teaching there, just these three f- things made everybody feel so connected and at ease and inspired because, yeah, it's. I think that these, these are things that everybody needs. But I don't know, you know, it's it's quite a quite a claim to say nowadays that there are some universal
0: needs. So I think what you're describing though, are, are elements that kind of ask a lot of all of our senses, right? And I think that we're in a space where we're asking less and less of our senses in so many ways And when you were talking about just simply like being in dance studios or being in theaters, it's like, it's flat surfaces it's temperature controlled it's fake light you know like our senses don't need to be as engaged as they are when we're outdoors mm. and then you throw being outdoors and dealing with people oh well that asks of something else like you know i need to be i always talk about like oh if i'm playing outdoors and if i'm playing with people like where the sun is at matters now mm. when i'm in a jujitsu school i don't need to worry the light is perfect but like oh well If I kind of navigate my partner into a certain position, well, now the sun's in their face and I can play the game a little differently. All these different things all of a sudden come into play, the wind and the temperature and all these these elements. And, and, you know, we have this full potential for sensory experience. And then, you know, we we neglect that, but it's like we, we developed it over millions of years to like be in this place where we have all of this. And I don't know, this event you described, it was like, oh, it's, it's all of them come alive all at once. Right. It's, it's full eyes, auditory touch, smell, everything is happening all at once.
1: Completely. Yeah. I remember the first day of the event or like in the beginning it was raining. So like it was, it was not really possible to use the big studio because it was very wet. Mm -hmm. And then after the rain stopped, we tried to dry it and it was extremely slippery. So like you were, you were really connected to what is happening and yeah, it's true, I I totally, I, I really feel it with myself like that many of the skills that I develop as a dancer, they are very limited to being in a dance studio. I cannot dance the way I dance in a studio on a grass field. You know, literally it's not as slidey and it's much harder to spin and yeah so it's and i i I miss it like sometimes i i I started doing more outdoor things because of the covid of course like because there was at a certain point here in vienna it was allowed to do outdoor classes so i just started to teach outdoor and it was interesting to see you know like the biggest thing that was disturbing that there was a lot of flies I i was like i found the perfect location in a nice green park in vienna and then there was like tons of flies everybody i, I swallowed i don't know like so many flies during this <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and then of course then the romantic idea of being in nature suddenly is kind of like oh shit, I, I i didn't sign up for fly eating <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's uh it's but it's interesting what you're saying yeah because i like the senses it's uh, it's definitely something that when i feel like when I feel the least embodied and the least awake is, I don't know, when I find myself like I would say that my most negative addiction, I would say is like kind of I'm a little bit addicted to YouTube. So sometimes I find myself in the evening, you know, just watching senseless things, you know, things that maybe I could still argue intellectually that they have some value, but but I know that they don't have any value. <laughs> I I I, 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 sh- I can do something else. <laughs> and then, you know, when I kind of wake up from that uh, moment and like, okay, enough with the screen. Then I really feel what you're saying. Like, yeah, my senses were just like kind of shrinked into this over comfort of getting some stimulus that I don't need to really engage in order to experience something chemically in my brain. And that's the opposite feeling of, yeah, of, let's say, Jiu-Jitsu, no? It's mm-hmm. like when you're like fully awake and you sense everything. That's the beauty I think about. But, you know, I think you can also experience it like the way my father experiencing it. You know, he's going out there, the sun, the heat, he's working, he has his... He needs to pick up the olives, whatever he he does. But, yeah, my attraction is mo- is more for the dynamics of... Of but like my father works with his body, but it's not that dynamic. I'm more attracted to the dynamics. Uh, but yeah, I, I started developing a little bit more outdoor things. I started learning surf skating. I don't know if you, you know this thing.
0: No, what is that?
1: It's like uh, it's a hip. It's a, I mean, when skateboarding was invented, it was invented by surfers who wanted to kind of have ex- something to do on flat days. But skateboard became a own niche that has Almost zero connect, technical connection to surfing, and at a certain point, there was one brand who uh, called Carver that they re-engineered the, f- the front track of the board so that it can turn left and right. So not only on the not only on the on the vertical axis, but also on the transversal axis. So so that suddenly on a on, a, on something that looks like a skateboard, you can do a 180 turn without sliding the, the wheels. So you can really do surf maneuvers. And what is cool about it is that the way you locomote is by using your spine in a figure of eight. So it's not like a skateboard that you, that you push with your feet and then you stand quite statically and then you do a trick. So you really move your spine like a snake constantly. And, and yeah, since I started doing it, I'm spending much more time outside because you don't, do, you don't train it in any indoor space. But it's still very urban. Like you don't do it in the on a mountain. You do it in some kind of a parking lot <laughs> <laughs> or a skate park. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's um, boulder is pretty amazing. No, in that regard.
0: I mean, I've I've tr- I've practiced inside. I don't know a, a total of probably a few hours in the last year. Everything I've done has been outside, and even in Boulder, it was like there was one day where it was. Three degrees Fahrenheit here, which is like very, very cold. It's like you know, okay. like close to like an Arctic day, okay. and still went outside and practiced and did my thing. And some people came out and and we and we did some stuff together. But it made us just I don't know rethink what we needed to do to like do something outside on that day. You know, it was like, well, we mm-hmm. gotta we we need to generate some heat. Well, what does that mean? Oh, well, we're gonna strap. Gymnastic straps to each other and drag one another across the grass and the snow, <laughs> you know, cause it's really cold. So we need to like find some warmth. And then there are the days where it's, it's much, much hotter. And we're like, Oh, I need to like, I need to Bob in and out of the shade a little bit to like, be able to keep going and do some things. I don't know. It's, it's really reframed what I, what I, how I want to spend my time. especially if how I want to spend my time when I'm like facilitating things with people, I was thinking about it today. Cause I just published the podcast I did with John Yuan, And I was, at the beginning, I always put on there like some of the things that are coming up and we're going back to New York and I'm gonna be doing a few workshops while we're there. And I was just looking at the weather and I saw that it's supposed to rain right now on one of the days that we're, that I'm supposed to be facilitating. And I thought to myself, oh gosh, you know, I imagine this beautiful spring day, kind of like you imagining being out Mm. like, you know, in the field and then all of a sudden the flies are there. And I saw the rain. Then as I started imagining it, I was like, you know, I kind of hope it rains. Like, well, that changes the game completely and, and the decisions we're going to make and how we're going to navigate it. And then it also looks like this amazing cinematic, like battle scene <laughs> we're out there in. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've almost gotten caught up now and being like, oh yeah, all the different seasons and ways that the, the nature can deliver some things to us. Like I don't know. It, it, it gives us all sorts of like new intelligence to kind of put in there and have to deal with.
1: Yeah, I I met once a guy in Through Tom Vexler, I think I I you know him or no? I've mm-hmm. I've heard his name in the in another episode that you were doing. Mm-hmm. So the, through him I met uh, one guy, I think I think his name is Ben Madder, if I'm not mistaken. He does something He's he, I think he's called Moving with the Seasons or something like that. That looks very interesting in the sense of like yeah, he really adapts his physical practice to the time of the year where where you are always indoor of course you're kind of um you don't do it and yeah i don't know i mean i have i have so little experience so i wouldn't i wouldn't you know really try to say anything about it because i i i don't know enough i mean i know from my experiences that that you know working in let's say more artificial environment you can Be very attentive to your body. It's not that you. If you move with the nature, you're definitely gonna be more healthy because it's more natural. Not everything that is natural is definitely better. But uh, yeah, I guess at the end, it's it's the interest. I mean, if if uh, I guess the type of people that will come to an event outdoor that is raining, it's already different people. (laughs) I mean, if if you you would tell me, if you would tell me. (laughs) hey man i look it's like raining like hell today and i'm doing my outdoor class are you coming i will be like "Mm." (laughs) you know i will have second thoughts if i'm honest you know so so for sure it's you will get the people who are like i'm coming no matter what so it's like you already know like fuck we can do whatever we want with these people because they already came here so it's like you're already filtering (laughs) something you know like Nobody who came to cuddle around will be in your <laughs> seminar.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Like I'm I, I'm only, I'm planning everything that I do around where the worst weather patterns are happening. That's going to be, the, that's <laughs> going to be the tour. Like where is there most likely to be a hurricane? That's where we're going to like book the things <laughs> and then just really test the waters and see who shows up. It makes me think when I was in college, I saw, do you remember the comedian, christopher titus he had a tv show called titus i don't know if it it aired in in israel or anything
1: Mm, that's it's not it doesn't ring a bell
0: he did a really beautiful one-man show at ucla when i was there and i got to watch him film it for for showtime or hbo or something and it was called norman rockwell is is bleeding i think that was the name of the special but at one point he said this wonderful line and it's set with me for the last 16 or 17 years ever since i heard it but he said, be normal and the crowd will accept you. Be deranged and they'll make you their leader. Hmm. And I don't know, saying that I'm going to chase hurricanes and make everybody f- follow me in <laughs> hurricane <laughs> just reminded me of that quote. <laughs> <laughs> like there would probably be a huge movement for it.
1: For sure. Look, like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we've we've managed, we, we, we talked a little bit about the movement scene, and you know, like, for me that's a little bit maybe that's also was a marketing strategy but you know when when i kind of um when i okay so when i started to shift from that de- from i mean i i did dancing and 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 contemporary dance and alongside to that i i was studying contact improvisation so i had this kind of sp- split between two communities and then i met a a woman called shai faran that she was a a girlfriend of Ido portal so she kind of through her i got exposed to a lot of his teaching still before he had all this big company but when he when he had this kind of capoeira blog and doing strength exercises and stuff like that and and then when I when I've so at a certain point I I wanted to kind of it attracted me to 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 transition into into that world but wait I'm losing a, a little bit my thread you you said ah um yeah no now i now remember and 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 i think that i mean you see it in the way he constructed this movement scene that it's always about the most difficult thing you can imagine and that pulls a lot i mean it pulls so you would think like yeah you should do something that is very inclusive and then people would come but actually it's a little bit the opposite you you make something that is extremely exclusive and like only the best of the best are welcome here and then everybody wants to be there so as you said like if you start doing your workshop i'm only doing it in places like it's only for the toughest people who can endure hurricanes you know like <laughs> it's will. i think that to, to some extent on our psychological level it's it, it works the opposite so like the sense of or maybe because again we are maybe that's kind of coming back to the beginning because we are living in a culture that is so pumping the the notion of individualities and you, so you don't want to be just an like who wants to be just another person on the crowd Who is dreaming? I I would just want to be just a regular person that you will never notice. I don't think anybody has this dream. So of course, like we are attracted to the idea that we can be in some kind of exclusive group of the best of the best of the best in something. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I would be curious to hear how was it in the rain as a starting point before the
0: (laughs) weekend thing. I, um, I'm curious, I, you know, I know it's nighttime there, Mm. but I, you know, you, you mentioned kind of like, uh, you know, entering the dance space, entering the movement space and actually I should say it was dance and contact improv and then kind of being like, oh, well, this movement scene is really interesting just to kind of bring it to like where you're at Mm. now. Um, so what were kind of the twists and turns that came after that? And, and, and what does your practice and your teaching look like after kind of like navigating those spaces?
1: Hmm. Uh, so I would say that the thing that was always the thread of my biggest interest was communication and communication through movement. So contact improvisation was was actually the first thing I started to do that is connected to the world of dance and I mean as a kid i was a I was a basketball player but i I never developed too further in that world so for me communication that's the the core thing that is interesting to me what happened when i'm in i'm with another person and we are moving, and how movement is a form of communication. And, and what I took from the world of contemporary dance, and for me, contemporary dance represent the most, from all the disciplines you can study, it's the most general discipline you can dive into. Because at least the way I've studied contemporary dance was not about learning to, mo- to do certain moves, but to develop body awareness to enable you to understand how movement function. So of course there's a lot of areas that are neglected in the, in the dance world. Like there, there's hardly any, let's say, efficient strength and conditioning protocols happening in the dance world. Like if you ask people, like you can see people doing like just you know, regular pushups and pull up and, and for no reason. But, but nevertheless, I've learned how to be aware of my body. And for me, body awareness, that's the meta skill. That with that you can do whatever you want. And also through contact improvisation I've learned how to expand my awareness to my body and to have awareness that is not only to my body but my body in relation to another body. So these are the things that I would say in the hardcore of what I'm doing now. And now it's not anymore codified as contact improvisation or Jiu Jitsu. But I do something that I call communication practice, which is a certain framework where you can practice how to move with another person. And the legacy of the contemporary dance uh, experiences that I had, which was quite significant, kind of four years of nine hours a day of training, is the ability to analyze movement and to deconstruct movement. So for example, when I started the surf skating, because it relies so much on spinal mechanic and it's something that I was very interested in my dance education and I and I and I was digging into it extremely and when I say spinal mechanics in other words is understanding figures of eight spiral waves I had such an amazing moments of really autodidactic moment with the surf skate that was like wow like now I can translate everything that I've done on the studio on this f- board with wheels and it wasn't so much about learning from somebody else who is teaching me what to do and that was really nice to see how that was for me a moment of really being able to to use what what i've learned somewhere else and apply it completely in a different environment yeah and and if i'm being honest i think that when i kind of wanted to shift to the movement scene it was because i you know i studied the i i mm-hmm. quit I I went away from a very stable and and well-paid job when I decided to become a dancer. So for me, after graduating, there was a real necessity to make dance something that I could earn money because it felt always like kind of a dream. Okay, I quit this kind of reality that I have in order to go into a fantasy. And now I need to see that the fantasy can also be reality and not just a fantasy. And... And and I and when I and when I've seen how like wh- when I've seen the kind of pot- let's say it pot- financial potential that could happen by going away from the little circle of dance, I was attracted to that. But that was a wrong decision, I think. When I look at it in in, in from the point I'm now, because yeah, for many reasons. But I would say that that what was really the, the thing that pulled me into this idea of ah yeah, I can maybe teach what I know in a movement context. Yeah, so that was what was pulling me, I would say, the most. Besides, of course, that I had, you know, interest in other things beside dance. You know, I I was always doing martial art alongside dance. So I, I had, let's say, kind of interest. My interest was invested in different disciplines. So, of course, I could also tap to the framework of this being a generalist and all this kind of philosophy that wasn't mine. And that's where I feel that the kind of mistakes that i did that i kind of tried to build my practice around a philosophy that was very not me and even though that i've benefited from many things around from that philosophy it's not what i believe it's not it's not my voice so i was investing many years in trying to build something that was not connected to my authentic voice and and now i'm much more anchored in what i believe and what is important for me and, and the values that 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 are surrounding my teaching practice is much more personal to who I am for and and not to some kind of an aspiration that I have to what success could be i i I hope I kind of answered a little bit the question
0: yeah yeah no i uh I appreciate that I think that there's a i mean even just like your last statement there I think resonates with me and and probably resonates with a lot of other people just that idea that like its Almost like for a long time, maybe in teaching and I felt it in other like artistic things that I've done in my life, there's like a, a period of like being a mimic, right and And it's great because it's working. You know, it's like it's being accepted, but then like it's that moment where you're like you feel that kind of authentic self thing and you're like, oh, like, how do I get that thing out mm. happening? And I think it's a hard bridge to cross and maybe a lot of people don't ever cross that bridge and kind of just stay in kind of like the mimic land for a little while. Um,
1: I had I had also like quite I would say intense experience in that regard when I I, I was teaching in Hong Kong also in 2018 and and there was a, there was one Israeli man that was living in Hong Kong I don't know maybe he's still there that he was a quite a devoted student of Ido Portal. And he was also kind of leading this little movement, Hong Kong group, whatever. And then when he heard that I was teaching, so I think he had like he was a little bit like a patriot. So he was like, "Ah, oh, Israeli teacher!" He brought all the students from their group into my workshop. And my workshop was kind of, you know, I would say like the way we 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 sell the event was addressing the idea of. Movement practice and and universal uh, perspective on movement and a non disciplinary approach blah 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 all the kind of right things and when they came to my workshop I was like I was like they want something completely different than what I'm actually interested in <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 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 yeah like we are not we, it's like you know like I that was a there was a dissonance between what I actually wanted to teach and then and then why why like what are what were the questions that people asked and of course it happens all the time you know like you come and you have something that you want to teach and the people have some other interest and you find the way but i think there it was more strong because it was really a group of people that came through let's say the marketing system that i was investing in to pull those people and then when they arrive i was like ah shit i should have i sh- it's not what I'm I it's not it's not myself. So it was very clear then. And then I think that was starting a process that led me eventually to really take a different path with how I present what I'm doing. And funny enough, now I'm much more attracted to go back to the source and, and teach more contact improvisation and go back into things I've started with. And but yeah, it's uh it's uh there is something nice about starting somewhere, going a very long journey and then ending up again in the same place. And like, oh man, it's like, wow, now that was a hell of a ride, um, <laughs> I, I, can, I can start again, but I'm so
0: different, so. It's funny so you I'm, say that though. Um, I feel like I resonate with that in, in a lot of ways because I feel like I've gone through a, a circle as well. And when I was in school, like the thing that I was attracted to and spent the most time doing, at least when I was in university, was I was doing like vaudeville classes and- um, Which classes? I- vaudeville which is like like physical comedy mm. ca- classes and physical theater um and i had one teacher i love and talked about it uh, quite a few times on here but like you know it's taken like 17 years to suddenly come all the way back around and be like oh that's the thing that i <laughs> that like really like does it for me and that i think it's like a, a, a powerful thing to share but it took a very long time and said, to kind of like ride that roller coaster all the way around return back to like where i gave the ticket and then like oh there's that thing
1: yeah maybe it's some uh yeah maybe we are like salmons know that they kind of (laughs) 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 like like on a psychological level we are like doing the same phenomena going to all the rivers just to come back to the place you were born yeah Mm -hmm. it's uh but i'm you know like in the beginning i like now i'm i'm accepting it in a way that 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 i that it makes me happy to think about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think like four years ago, I would have looked at it as kind of a failure, but now I'm like, no, man, it's like, that's part of life. Life is, is improvisation. You can kind of try to dictate the 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 show, but you also have to accept the things that are not, that you don't control and, and kind of embrace it. And, and, and yeah, and also I think that one thing that really changed dramatically is how, is how I look at the term success and and again I think it i mean it it relates a lot to the toness to the type of necessities I had when i s when I graduated from the dance field and that i and I really had this kind of i was very very ambitious and extremely i think being disagreeable also tends to pull you into the direction of being competitive, so I was very competitive, so it was all about external affirmations. Okay, I got into that festival. Oh, now I'm teaching in that country. You know, like if if I'm being honest, I I, I remember I really enjoyed like ah yeah, I can write in my CV another country I was teaching, you know. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I've got, I've been invited to Tokyo, so now I'm international. Teacher. Wow, that's a that's a next level. So Right, you're just like it, when
0: you just like you would get to a class and just hold your passport and just kind of like flip yeah. slowly <laughs> so everybody can see the stamps.
1: Exactly. <laughs> And and um uh, and, and yeah, and I think it's a little bit childish, but you know, it's also like it's something I recognize that I needed. I needed external affirmations. It's something I needed f- in order to feel secure, in order to, you know, like and and my wife, she for example, again, she doesn't need it, you know, she she she's not interested in having a Instagram page with a lot of followers that will listen to her ideas. I'm still attracted to that, so I didn't completely left. Uh, it's still part of the needs that I have. People t- that people will listen to me, and but uh, uh, but much less now. I'm also hosting a podcast myself, and I really enjoy being in the role that you are right now. So it's it's the def- it's actually it's it's refreshing to be on the other side. But I'm I'm suddenly I'm thinking like, actually there's so much nice thing about being in the listening like you. <laughs> <laughs> you learn you, you you get to hear ideas that maybe you are you're, you're not aware of and like talking is constantly saying what you know yeah so so yeah i'm de- i'm definitely like if somebody is listening and I, I, maybe what i'm trying to encourage people is to is to break away from from defining defining their their journey to what they expect the end result to be and to understand that it's part of the thing is to is to have an idea to set your boat in a certain direction to accept that it that you might end there you might not end there that's the the that's like the creation process in the studio you aim your boat you know you're going to end somewhere else and and that's going to be fine maybe you'll be disappointed then you need to invest again energy go again but um but yeah it's this cliche you know that the path is more important than the destination and and especially because the destination is known, it's death. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. What's the... <laughs> there is no surprise <laughs> about that. Yeah. So I don't know. if I think if, if it's very clear that everything that you're building is going to fall apart and that every f- skill that you have learned, that's a question I've asked my student in Vienna. What's the point of training so much s- technique and skills if you're living in a body that is decaying and that everything that you're learning, you will eventually not be able to do? You know, like when I see this kind of approach of like almost commodifying the body. My body can do a one ha- one arm handstand, and my body can do this, and my body can do that, and I can do like it's all it's all things that you will have to say goodbye to at a certain point. So it, there has to be other meaning. Otherwise, it's I can I cannot see the point in doing it if you if you're not really discovering something else. No. Yeah, I mean I mean I, I've also seen somebody um i think it was the heon and Hannah gracie were talking about this like that you build your skill in jiu-jitsu to the black belt just to kind of accept that slowly you're going to be dominated again by the blue belts you know the young blue belts hungry mm-hmm. and it's part of it it's like you, it's uh, you have to to embrace it rather than try to fight it so yeah for me that's i would say why i i keep real like that's my life journey around movement to really accept my body going through different phases and some phases I'm I'm very energetic and I can train a lot. In some phases I, now I'm going into a period where I have like my whole intellectual awakening. I was so busy for like a decade, just training my body. And when I was young, I wanted to be a mathematician. Like I wasn't, I was I didn't inspire to be, to work physically. So like, so I train much less and I have much more time to read and to converse and listen, so yeah.
0: It's also part of the game, I guess, at least for me. Well, I'm realizing now after our conversation that I don't think we could be really good friends based on our conversation because we might be too similar. (laughs) <laughs> we're not different enough to be the really good friends we're too similar and it's like too agreeable uh only again like i mean i had like a similar kind of thing where it was like so much time i mean again in my case like stand up so like just talking and talking and talking like never really shutting up if i'm being honest mm-hmm. and then practicing it was like very physical like constant like always just you know hours and hours and hours but then and as you, you know, steal your kind of term, like an intellectual awakening, it was like suddenly like in the last like two and a half or three years, all of a sudden I started picking up like book after book after book, and then wanting to have these kinds of conversations where I get to be on this side and just like, listen and just like, you know, reinvigorate this like curiosity um, that wasn't there before, you know? Mm. Um, But to me, you know, when I hear you talk about it, and when I think of like my own experience, it's like, it's like a welcoming of change you know i think that rather than change being the thing that people are avoiding i think there's a real magic in like welcoming change you know i don't need to be the person who drinks my coffee this way every day for the rest of my life or takes this route or whatever there's something kind of thrilling about like the small changes as well as the big changes and being like well all right well then I will be the person who reads a ton of books now because that's very cool and fun. It doesn't have to be that way in 10 years though.
1: Yeah, but it's scary because you have to let go of identity. That's what I, that was, that is, you know, that's still scaring me a lot because you know, now in Corona, so I started very early doing these online classes and zoom workshops. And now I'm I'm in a point that I don't want to do it so much. I'm, I'm just not interested in teaching people through the computer. And that's a little bit of kind of a deaf, sentence to your teaching career now because there's just no other alternative so yeah so i I, you know i really have to question this thing like okay who am i if i if i stop teaching movement that's it you know like i'm also working as a graphic designer so i also have other ways of earning money and now i've just shifted most of my attention when it comes to you know like when i i still need to to earn money to finance our life Uh, so so now my efforts are invested in in design and then i'm like okay so am i still this like can i let go of this identity and that's i think the hard thing is not so much about changing the environment and this and you know like i can enjoy working and doing creative things on the computer as well it's actually a lot of fun so i think it's not about at least for me it's not about the changes in the day-to-day as you said about the coffee okay should i drink this coffee or that coffee but about the identity that I am the guy who does, who drinks just the best coffee. Can you let go of that person? Can you let go, can I let go of Matan, the international movement dancer, whatever, you know, that's the thing that if, if I can let go of that, then the changes are actually, they're, they're not feeling that radical, but I think that the, the identity is the hardest thing to really let go because, yeah, because that's how, I mean, we are constantly, building this fake construction in order to have some kind of an understanding of the self and yeah but i don't know i had some very intense experiences with psychedelics quite recently and that was really uh, you know like you know like shattering of identities and i think it's i mean and i i i experienced things much more gentle doing a intensive meditation retreat kind of vipassana trips but with the with the i with the psychedelic it was so aggressive that it was really like a shock you know, like okay that's not you it, you know i knew it's not me intellectually and, and you know when i was meditating i could see that you know i am just this ever changing phenomena blah 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 but still i wanted to hold on these identities and the psychedelics was not really giving me a choice it was really like puff uh, slap in the face okay Throw all of this and see what is left. So yeah, I I I, I agree with you. Like welcoming changes, is, is I think it it it's a very important thing to to embrace and to. And but you know I think we can still uh, but we could still be friends because I'm, you know, I'm so, I'm so disagreeable.
0: <laughs> I would find something to argue with you. I promise. So. Well, well, listen, I think we're just being polite because it's the first conversation. If I make my way to Vienna or if you come out here, listen, we'll like, we'll, we'll give us like an hour and a half more and then it'll yeah, be yeah. like, okay, well now we can like put our, put And if nothing works,
1: on. if mm-hmm. nothing works, you know, we can always find some mats and smash each other with the jiu Hey.
0: I was just talking to a friend of mine today and it looks like in the next like month or so, like based on vaccines and things like that, we're going to be, I haven't done jujitsu in a year. I don't know how long it's been since mm. you've done, if, you, or if you've if you been doing jujitsu recently at all.
1: I, I mean, in Vienna, the, the regulations are changing, but like I, I've i definitely managed to maintain some regularity on a private level, you know, like with training partners, but not with classes. No, there's not, there hasn't been. Yeah. Last summer, there was a two months that suddenly everything was open again. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a deep inhale of, you know, going into the mats. And
0: <laughs> yeah. I ha- I, haven't done, I haven't done any. And I was training in New York at the Marcelo Garcia Academy, which was like, you know, I was used to this like big academy, like 70 people in a class and like the wow. whole thing. And then immediately me ended. So now it's been like, you know, over a year. But a friend of mine here, it looks like we're in the next like month going to be able to start training together. And I... I'm very excited about it. But now I'm looking at it as like preparation for when you and I roll. So it'll be my training camp for whenever uh, whenever this event (laughs) happens.
1: (laughs) This would be very nice. Yeah, I hope I can actually, you know, I have a brother in the in, as I said, in San Jose and my wife's family is actually in New York, Mm -hmm. in, in, in Jersey, not in New York. So, yeah, it would be very nice to be able to come. Again to the state, I I I we also have some common people we know and you know it was re- it was really nice to to be able to combine that's what I love the most about being in the state that I it's the first time that I really managed to combine teaching with being with my family and also traveling we we drove from uh, from uh, San Jose to Boulder and that was such a beautiful like with three weeks we just camped with the kids in so many beautiful places this was really fantastic and then ending up in boulder
0: it would be really yeah, great too. well listen i mean once things start happening again we should um organize some sort of um some teaching events out here you know like in in just in the united states and various places and you know maybe maybe there's even opportunity to do some sort of like collaborative event that'd be really fun Totally. Maybe you take me to your uh,
1: hurricane. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) hurricane seminar.
0: (laughs) Right, and I'll just make sure (laughs) there's a there's a there's a single dance studio that is like bulletproof. That's right in the middle, and we kind of bounce in and out. We like we go into the studio for a moment. You do your (laughs) thing. We jump into the hurricane. Pull the people off the trees. We bring them back inside. (laughs)
1: Totally. I'm I'm up for that. I mean. uh, And that's again the contradictory part. That although I scored very high on orderliness, I also scored very high on openness for new experiences. So, I'm up for that, man.
0: Sounds good. We'll definitely
1: try to stay in touch.
0: If people want to connect with you, you said you're not doing any online classes at the moment. But if people, I'm
1: sometimes doing like personal work, like personal coaching with individuals that are interested in studying with me. And I do offer once in a while. online workshops. I mean I did one on the topic of spine in I think it was January or something like that. So yeah, if people are interested to go more, I mean they can come to the movementlab.eu website and what is happening constantly now is that I'm producing the material for the brain podcast where I where I'm also having guests conversing the topic of what does it mean to live in relationship with your body and how it affects the way we we are in the world and and yeah, definitely, people can go and listen, and 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 there's a lot of things to consume. But teaching, I mean, it's not happening that frequently now. So uh, I wouldn't use now the opportunity to to promote some big event because I'm not doing any. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> yeah, promote I, some,
0: or promote some big event in a very obscure place and then just not yeah. be there. Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but if people are more, if people are curious, I think like. i'm really proud of this evolution of this podcast even though even though that you know the 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 size of it is you know it's a new thing i haven't i've been doing it for half a year but i've learned so much and i received really a lot of good feedbacks from people who have been listening so if people got curious from this conversation i would recommend to to listen to that as well because the I mean, and there you don't need to listen to me. You can listen to other incredible people. So. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it's nice to see that I'm not alone in this interest like you to, to open this space to converse with people. And it's definitely a very nice way of connecting, no?
0: Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe um, maybe in the future we do some sort of um, like live podcast where we're in person and maybe we like do something in person or potentially even like host a panel or something. That could be really interesting.
1: This would be amazing although i must say i had one episode that i did live in my apartment because it, the the guest was from vienna and it felt so strange because i'm so used already that everything happens through the zoom mm-hmm. that you know just sitting in the same room and conversing and having cameras to record it felt so oh it I, it was uh it I, I then i felt like yeah corona really shifted the way we understand things but man i'm totally up for that so Killer. i hope it can uh, could happen in the
0: future awesome yeah. Well, sounds good man i um I'm so happy that Marlo made this recommendation it's been so cool to connect with you let's um let's keep chatting let's keep the conversation going
1: pleasure and thank you for the opportunity to to talk and to share and to get to know you and yeah uh i'm i will keep uh looking for what
0: you're doing as well sounds good look out for, just keep your eye on the uh the weather channel you'll know where to find me all right man i'll talk to you later have a good night
1: ciao ciao good night